good, right? I hear you perfectly. Okay, now my AirPods are working, so we are in good shape as well. All right, so let's get started. Welcome to Heal Thyself. I am Jess Pfeffer, the founder of Real Connections, and I'm excited to share holistic experts, practitioners, and healers each week with you. They will be sharing their journeys into the health and wellness field and leaving you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal life. This season, we're chatting with everyone in Atlanta, Georgia. And today, I'm chatting with Nalini Mehta, an Ayurvedic chef, an art of living meditation teacher, co-founder of Yoga Pops, and director of Happy Chef Project. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing great. I love connections like this. It was through Instagram, through community. Yeah. So it really is, this stuff is what lights me up. So I want to first and foremost, welcome you on. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about who you are and um, tell us about all those amazing titles I introduced you as. <laughs> well, I'd say, you know, um, we do what what life has brought us here with all our journeys. And I think throughout my life, I have been driven by my passion for food. And it's also through my food journey that I healed myself. You know, up until the age of 21, my life was pretty glorious, good food, lots of travel, a warm, loving family. Um, And then my father passed away at the age of 53 from a sudden heart attack and my life completely was shaken up. And I think I was angry with him for leaving us so suddenly. And, you know, I started eating unhealthy junk food and everything that I had been denied over the past two decades of my being 21. Um, And I think, you know, it it was the rebel in me, so to speak. I was just going to do what I wanted to do. I was an adult. But then five years after my father's passing away, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and I was still in shock from my father's death. Um, So something shifted for me and I moved back to be with her in India from Australia. And up until then, I had really defined myself by my career. And, you know, now in the middle of a small town in India with no friends and nothing to do, I had a nervous breakdown. So, you know, it's a long story, but um, I think what she did for me at that time really shifted everything in my life. So it was really pivotal. You know, she took care of me and healed me. It was not the other way around. Despite her illness and side effects of chemo, she continued with her practice of yoga and ate based on the food and lifestyle principles of Ayurveda. Uh, She showed me through her practices that one's quality of life was way more uplifting than the quantity. A life that was inspired by positive connections with nature, oneself and others. And I began to eat the way she ate. I followed her around to better myself. And I was healing as I began getting baked. Uh, So that's a bit of my story. And Ayurveda really has impacted my life, both personally and professionally. I have seen incredible ways in which practicing Ayurveda has changed lives over the years. And that's why I've dedicated myself not only to nurturing my own physical, spiritual and emotional wellness, but... I'm able to really see this from a perspective of, you know, you go through all these experiences in life because you want to create that overall ability for yourself, but also for the community, your connection with the world. 
Um, and so for me, that has, uh, for all the titles that you gave me, it was really more about providing intrinsic techniques that I developed through my journey to share with the community through Ayurveda and yoga as the wellness system that I was born into. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it seems like a long time ago, but I still wanted to say I'm sorry for your loss of your father. And, you know, it's always so interesting. Of course, we all have our stories. And like you said, what brings us onto this path and, you know, what that looks like. And I think it's beautiful to hear that, you know, you went there to support your mom and and in a way right. like she ended up supporting you and you know you mentioned Ayurveda for the listeners out there who are not sure what that is and um, can you share a little bit about Ayurveda and some of the practices your mom instilled in you? Absolutely I, you know there are principles in Ayurveda you can start to, you know it's a, a science uh, that you can go to medical college to study uh, even here in the US uh, but Ayurveda is really two words Ayur is life and Veda is the study of anything. So Ayurveda is the study of life. But more uh, holistically, if you look at what yoga or Ayurveda provides, it's really looking at us as a source of energy and how that um, connection between the mind, body and spirit is, is intimately connected. But it's this scintillating energy in, in many ways, uh, if you look at what um, something um, energizes you it would be either through nourishment through food or nourishment through what you hear something that inspires you so there's so many ways energy plays it's almost like uh, vibrations you know you have positive vibrations and you have vibrations that make you feel you know sap your energy so many ways so ayurveda is studying how what is the energy in nature? For example, in the season of winter, the sun is lower and so we feel like hibernating, we're cold. Um, and so we keep warm through nourishing food. We also have a, a, a daily practice where we either oil our body every first thing in the morning and feel really warmed from just the physical touch. Um, but also that oilification, how it nourishes our mind, it calms our mind. So in a, in a very uh, simplistic way, I would say Ayurveda, like yoga, has the same energy balancing through um, using different techniques, but not separating the body from the mind or the spirit. Mm, beautiful yeah as a yoga teacher practitioner I love the, yeah. the sister science of them both so thank yeah. you for sharing that and you know when we hear yoga and especially in this world right now I was actually listening to a podcast that yoga is dead and two um, American Indian women Indian American were kind of chatting on that and it, it definitely stirred me up perhaps for another conversation but you know yeah. when I think of yoga and kind of what the American version of it you know, it includes so much more than the asana, right? I always talk about the eight limbs mm -hmm. and, and one of them being mm -hmm. meditation and mindfulness. And I know that's something that you took a deep dive into. Will you share a little bit about the art of living and um, how you got involved in that and more for us to learn from? Absolutely. You know, um, none of all these practices, I have to say, I was a rebel, like I said, I would have run away from any of this. But Again, when I saw my mom really recover or heal herself, um, she took this breathing practice with the Art of Living Foundation where um, 
you know, she was going through a chemotherapy, but then she did this breathing workshop and her morphine level injections that they were using for her chemotherapy, they didn't need that anymore. You know, it really reduced. Um, and, and that was, you know, somebody close to you goes through such a dramatic experience that just the doctors don't have a cure, but something as simple as your breath has such a impactful uh, effect. Um, so that's how I was introduced to it. But I've, I, you know, I did the practice and I found it really interesting and intriguing, but, you know, it takes a lot to get into meditation and yoga and all of that. And at 21, I wasn't looking for it, but over the decade that went by and I still had the practice for me, it did different things. I didn't need it because I was not sick, but as a, as a chef, for me, it was really interesting because my sense of smell was heightened. I felt more creative. It had a very uh, subtle, but um, over a period of time, I noticed it gave me a huge sense of joy. So uh, after 10 years, after, you know, saying, okay, I want to do it once in a while, I'd rather go party, have fun, enjoy. Mm -hmm. I really found this as a source of joy. And I wanted to immerse myself more into it. And so I, I did the teacher's training program. And that is when I realized the huge connection and why I was feeling so connected with my um, food, even my creativity and all of these aspects. Because again, what the breath was doing was energizing my being. And so when I felt you know, you create when you are feeling relaxed, not when you, okay, I have to create something. Let me sit down and create something. You, you, you have to, you can't do it on the run. You have to feel relaxed and in a place where you can create. And using the breath uh, does that. It really um, builds, it's, if the food, if food is nourishment for the body, the breath is nourishment for the mind. Uh, and that's what I experienced uh, for myself. Um, and so I did the uh, the teacher's training and ever since in different ways in my life, I have seen um, it bring different um, sources of that energy. So, for example, um, you know, we teach this program uh, for chefs and, and for anybody in the kitchen. We feel, you know, I used to teach myself, I, I teach uh, cooking programs based on Ayurveda and I would say one of the principles in Ayurveda uh, is don't cook when you're angry and I would say that's the day you probably want to go out and eat um, because you anyway don't know how the chef is feeling and over a period of time I realized this is not funny I didn't feel good when I went out to eat and the food was delicious to taste but it made me feel heavy either right after or the next morning it made me really wonder, what is it? And so I started observing chefs and I used to live in San Francisco and, you know, San Francisco has back alleys where you can just walk, you know, past the restaurant and any any big city that has that New York City, you can feel what's going on in the back alleys. And often you'll see people from the kitchen sitting on garbage bins or on the side of the road smoking or whatever it is for them to decompress. And I realized, my God, there is no place for our chefs or, or people in our kitchen to build back that energy. And so what do they do? They gravitate to what comes easily to them, which could be, you know, easy access to alcohol or, you know, just let's take a smoke break. 
That's the only time you can actually take a break. And that really shifted something else in me that, okay, we care about our own energy and I'm teaching Ayurveda and I'm, you know, all, all this is great, but those who are cooking for us, we care about organic and we care about grass-fed chicken and all those good words. Um, but what about the person who brings it on our plate? What is the energy that they have? Um, our mother could, you know, open a can of beans and serve it. And if she's made it with love, we feel the love. So why wouldn't that energy or the mental state of the person cooking for us make a difference? And so we created the Happy Chef Project, which is, you know, taking the same energy works, breath works, and how the two come together, because it's all about the same connection, you know, a connection with ourselves and how we connect with others. So often we'll go into a restaurant, but we don't even see who cooked that food or how they're feeling. We can say, oh, this tastes really good, but how does that impact our body when somebody who's cooking it is not feeling well mentally, physically, or emotionally? Yeah, it is definitely about energy. That's interesting. I, I used to own a, co-own a juice bar with my sister in South yeah. Florida. And every day, you know, we had these amazing people in the back cold pressing all the yeah. juices for hours and hours. And that was one thing my sister instilled, like whatever food, whatever mood you're in, it's yeah. going to go into the fruits and vegetables. And, you know, some of them are they're like kind of young kids and looking at us like, oh, our kind of out there hippie bosses. <laughs> but um, it's really true. And I, I think over time, you know, again, when we, you know, the energy we put out and you said before about who we hang out with. And I think even just the energy of words, that's come up a lot with me lately. Certain words mm. just give me this feeling of, oh, I don't really like the way that sounds. And I think it's so amazing that you took, you know, again, your personal experience, your passion, your skills of being a chef and, and seeing the other side. So this Happy Chef Project, it's based out here in Atlanta. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? You know, we've been doing these programs now uh, between Minneapolis, where I got a James Beard grant program uh, to to work with uh, behind the kitchen and, and work with chefs. Uh, so it was really uh, since 2017, we started this in Minneapolis, but here in Atlanta as well, we we offer the same program. Um, and at this point, really anywhere in the, the, the country, you can take it because it's online. Um, and I think that's really shifted it because we really feel that when it comes to the kitchen culture, it has to be in a, in a space where the kitchen staff uh, and hospitality feels comfortable. Given the hours that they keep, they want it closer to them. So... Now online, we teach the program. It's a three-hour program uh, for three days uh, where it's a combination of a really uh, breathworks, which is based on the sky breathing technique. And sky means Sudarshan Kriya, which is the core breathing practice we follow in the art of living. Um, and it's really, if you look at breathing Overall, you'll see, you know, when you're angry, you have a certain breath rhythm. And when you're sad, your your breath is a certain way. Um, and if you even go into the hospital and you hear somebody breathing, their breath is just an out-breath, shallow out-breath. So every breath has a corresponding breath, emotion, connection. Uh, but typically emotions determine our breath you know when you're angry your breath goes how dare that person do it to me and it's like a short raspy breath or but we don't realize that we can actually breathe out those emotions as well so how we 
breathe in the Sudarshan Kriya rhythm is that we use different skill sets that over thousands of years have been practiced in the yoga, yoga tradition, but now they've been made more contemporary so that within 20 minutes you do this practice of different breathing rhythms um, and you feel through the day you can witness situations without feeling impacted or reacting to a situation. So that's the sky breathing practice, which is part of what we teach. Um, and then, of course, you know, certain things come more as an experience, like yoga and, and Ayurveda. It's one thing to be, you know, you can read read about yoga and you can read about um, Ayurveda or watch documentaries. There are plenty. But until you are on the mat, until you do the practice, it's it's just a good read or a good experience or, or on the surface the more you practice it the more you know you, you've you've experienced this I'm sure on a daily basis you can have a horrible day and then you get on the mat and something shifts it's funny I remember watching my mother do yoga and I was like I don't know what she's doing all I want to do is <laughs> shavasana I just want to lie down on the mat and just sleep but something changes some energy shift happens and that's what happens through these practices i love that so i i not even an assumption but i know that breath work is definitely a part of your self-care and your own practice do you have any other um i like to call non-negotiables or, or daily routines that you do for yourself yeah you know a part of um and it's it's such a fine line ayurveda and yoga they both kind of merge uh, together but in Ayurveda, oiling is a big deal. So you oil massage yourself every day. And it's a beautiful word in Sanskrit. It's called sneha, which means massage. But sneha also means love. So it's, it's that, you know, you massage yourself every day and you feel that, um, you know, your, your system, your endocrine system, feels the change you know your whole body feels massaged um, it, so that's a daily practice I have to do um, I use oil in my nostrils as well so that's you know just before my yoga practice I'll massage my body and then I'll do yoga and then I'll do my meditation it's kind of connected so you know you when you do yoga, getting into your breath has already started settling down. Your mind starts settling down. And so the, the meditation becomes easier. So it's always, I, I don't know if you've heard of tongue scraping. That's another practice. So we brush your teeth, you scrape your tongue, you oil your body, um, and then you do yoga and then you meditate. It's kind of it's effortless, but it has it's it's a very uh, one into the other flows into one into the other. Yeah, the tongue scraping. I I've gotten down pack. <laughs> I've been doing that every day. The the dry brushing. I just brought it back. Um, I've decided, especially now being in cold weather for the first time in a while, I'm like, oh, what's happening to my skin? So yeah, the dry brushing is back on. And then for oil, I know I've heard of various things. Do you use coconut oil, sesame oil? Do you have a preference? Yeah, I was intrigued when you said dry brushing because, you know, it's so dry. You don't want to be dry brushing, but you actually want to use the oil of the season, which is sesame. So in winter, I use sesame. In summer, I use coconut. So 
Ayurveda is also hugely connected with seasons. And se seasonally, you know, if you use coconut, when does, where does coconut grow? It doesn't grow in winter climates. It grows in tropical areas. And so you don't want to use it. In fact, if you look at coconut in the season, it's like a hard, um, it's not liquid, it's hard. So yeah, it's, it's been frozen in the house the last couple of weeks because it's so cold. Right. But yeah, usually in Florida, it's like the opposite. It's correct. <laughs> so so exactly. So if you were in Florida, it makes sense to use it. And therefore, a big part of what Ayurveda is that you are not doing good to the farmer, but eating in season is good for eating locally and regionally. Seasonally is huge. Um, because coconut grows in tropical zones, it's good for those people throughout the year. But for us in winter, we need something that warms us up. So it's pretty much like the thermostat. You know, you need you put it on air conditioning when it's summer, but you in winter put it to warming. So warming oils are. I also use mustard oil. Uh, yeah, mustard grows at this time and so you know the oil from mustard it's not so easily available but you'd probably find it in some asian stores indian stores for sure um, i would you know i lived in california for a long time and um, alongside the vineyards they'll grow mustard because in terms of biodiversity it keeps in it keeps it's like a natural uh, in uh, fertilizer or, or insect repellent. So you know how this whole biodiversity thing, so you grow certain flowers, you grow certain, uh, so they treat uh, mustard as just something that controls uh, uh, fertilizing properties. So uh, that oil you can, or even when you're cooking with mustard greens, just now, you know, you and I have that common connection with the with the urban farms, you'll get mustard leaves very easily just now. And they're really bitter, but that helps um, keep that warmth in the body. Well, 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 great tips. I know I was writing those down. So thank you so much. And with programs that you offer, events, workshops, um, can you tell us a little bit about those monthly programs and also how our audience can reach you if they want to reach out via email, website, or Instagram? For sure. Um, so we offer a couple of different programs. First, for the mind, because if your mind isn't well, nothing else works for me. So for the, the sky breathing practice is offered every month. Um, and you can look it up under the Art of Living Foundation.org or under my website, which is Route to India, R O U T O T I I N D A, R O U T E T O I N D A dot com. Um, and then we offer. Uh, Ayurveda programs as well. So culinary programs, which is, you can either do it um, through our um, online program. So it's, uh, you know, I send material, Ayurvedic material, but also videos so that you can do it at your own time and replay it and go through the recipes. But for me, you know, cooking is such an intuitive, all these processes are so intuitive that when you feel connected with yourself, it's not so much about the recipes, but feeling that connection with yourself and using the recipes just as a guide.
because mm. it can be the same recipe, Jess, but if you make it, it may be different. And when I make it, it's just the play of energy, how we make it um, and where we make it, how we are feeling impacts how we are cooking. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all that. All this information will be in the episode details. I look forward to learning more about sky breathing as I intend to sign up. So thank you so much. And for those listening, if you like this episode and you want to hear more like them, please subscribe, like, follow, and share. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, wishing you all good health, lots of love, and happiness. <laughs>